Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. A podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, I'm Fiona MacArthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales. The Sheep Extension Network in New South Wales, which is funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 2,200 and our main aim is to help keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep. The Australian Merino Sire Evaluation Association, or AMSI, is a non-for-profit organisation that oversees the Merino Sire Evaluation across a range of sites located throughout Australia. These sites provide unique opportunities for ram breeders to compare genetic performance of individual rams with those from other ram breeding flocks. In this episode of It's Time For You, I'm joined by Emma Grabham and Ben Swain from AMSI to further look at sire evaluation. First up, we're going to invite Emma to the podcast. Emma is the project manager for the for AMSI, as well as a number of other wool, sheep and general agricultural projects and organisation. Emma is now heavily invested in the wool industry operating a merino sheep enterprise just out of Bathurst in New South Wales. She also brings her skill set to the Sheep Connect New South Wales producer advisory panel, which are a group of farmers that helps direct us here at Sheep Connect New South Wales. Welcome, Emma, and thanks for joining us on It's Time For You. Hi, Fee. Thanks for having me. Emma, tell us who's AMSI. Well, AMSI is a national committee of people who are very enthusiastic about sire evaluation and they come from right across Australia. We have site representatives from all the different trial sites spread from WA right around Australia to New South Wales. Um, And we additionally have representatives from Australian Wool Innovation and Meat and Livestock Australia, plus the Australian Association of Stud Merino Breeders who sit there to help us guide EMSI and sire evaluation. We've got some experts as well from the Animal Genetics Breeding Unit up in Armadale or AGVU as they're often known by. New South Wales DPI come along and so do Sheep Genetics. So we've got some great experts who help assist us in providing just overarching guidance for the trials around Australia. Well, lots of people involved there, Emma. What exactly do you all do? So, The first thing that we probably do is provide governance. Um, The committee sets trial requirements which stipulate how the trials are run on the ground and that just ensures that the trials are collecting gold standard data, if you like, or aiming to collect gold standard data as much as humanly possible. AMSI also collates and reports the data from the sites um, at a site level and also at a national level in Merino Superior Sires, which is the annual flagship publication sent out as a hard copy. And I suppose the over the, the theme of AMSI is to try and drive genetic gain across the industry. So provide the latest information um, to breeders, but just to then let them have the, the latest and greatest to apply it and ensure that they, um, their productivity is, and genetic gain is improved. And Emma, why do we have SAR evaluation? Why is it important to industry? So there's a few a few things about SAR evaluation that um, 
enable you to make better decisions on farm, perhaps in your breeding program. There's lots of influences on productivity at the farm level. Uh, we know there's influences like the environment, disease, parasites, nutrition, etc. But basically, sire evaluation is looking looking to minimise those influences and bring it back to the genetics. So it's it's giving you the results of genetics or a sire's genetics, so that you can make those breeding decisions that that um, enable your profitability to be increased. And will this really lead to an actual benefit of sire evaluation for I guess, the people of industry that are important here are the ram breeders and then our ram buyers? Yeah, so ram breeders definitely use it as a tool for their enterprises. They can use sire evaluation to benchmark against genetics, all other industry genetics, um, and certainly against the best genetics of the industry. There's been some pretty high-flying sires entered in sire evaluation over time and they can benchmark against those. It gives them linkage into Merino Select, whether they're a current member or looking to become a member. It's a good way to improve and increase your linkage. And it's also a way to promote your start and thing in sales nationally. Um, RAM buyers, which is people like Ben and I, and you'll hear, hear from Ben later, we can use our evaluation to give us um, the information about what genetics do when they're um, in a particular environment. Uh, and join to a particular new type. So it's a way to see how genetics are going to, to um, what's the way, play out, I suppose, in those situations. Now, the SIRE evaluation's done across a lot of sites over Australia. Are they representative of all our wool growing regions? Yeah, so there's nearly a, there's a site near you, if you like. Um, they're spread right across Australia. There's, 10 to 12 of them at a time. Um, they're all in diverse environments and with different U bases and there's sure to be one that fits or fits quite closely your scenario and probably more than one. So you can look at a couple to see what's going on in both situations. And how are these sites run? Are they on private properties or um, through industry facilities? Yeah, a combination of all of those. Some are on um, commercial producer properties, some are educational institutions, uh, some are Department of Ag uh, properties and others are research organisations. So some of the universities have hosted trials and people like CSIRO have also hosted trials. So it's a great way to see a bit of a mix of enterprises as well. And what sheep producer doesn't like to poke around someone else's setup? Yeah, that's very true. Mm. <laughs> what, ro what role do these um, site hosts play in the broader scheme of things? Yeah, so the site host is really important for SIRE evaluation because they provide the U-base that, um, that the SIRE are joined to and then they also manage the resulting progeny right through their um, trial period, so generally through to their first adult shearing. And so they, they, are, they need to be enthusiastic about SIRE evaluation, but they also get a really close first-hand um, viewpoint of what the genetics are doing with their own particular use. So that's a great, great insight for them. Emma, when I was looking up a bit of information about AMSI, I was surprised to hear that it has been around since 1989. Have all the sites been involved for that long or do you have a turnover of sites? Um, no, not all have been involved for that long, but we've definitely got some sites that have been involved since 1989. So New England's the classic example of that. They've been around. Um, 
there there are periods when sites are unable to join, such as the late, latest drought. We, we had a couple of sites, New England was one of them, and also Northeast Victoria, who just weren't able to um, have the resources to do a joining in those drought years. Unfortunate, but that's the way farming goes, so we all understand that. Other sites have certainly changed hosts over the years, um, but Yarnstick in WA, they've joined every year since 1993. So that's a pretty consistent commitment from a, from a site. So it's good to have, you know, good to have those ongoing relationships, but then sites that, that um, can adapt to the seasons as required. Yeah, it's absolutely extraordinary. And Emma, it's going to be uh, maybe hard to explain on a podcast, but exactly how does SIRE evaluation work? Mm, that's that's true. It's easy er, in a <laughs> webinar, isn't it? That's tricky. Um, so SIRE evaluation basically starts with the science. And at each site, we have between 12 and 20 sires who enter. And they are joined by AI to a U-base. That U base is an evenly classed bunch of U's, um, and we join a minimum of 50 U's per sire. So you can calculate that one out. And their resulting lamb progeny are what we manage and assess all in one mob, and that's what we look at to get the results for sire evaluation. So hopefully you can visualise that. We go from the sire, we join them to a consistent classed U base, and then we have the lamb, the out output, which is the lamb progeny, and they are what we measure for sire evaluation. And we measure them and assess them and class them for a pretty wide range of industry relevant traits. Emma, just to clarify before we go on, because I'd like to talk about those traits. So if you're analysing the progeny only, how are we? How can you use that to then evaluate the rams? Mm, where's the link? Good question. So. When we talk about the influence or influences on productivity and profitability, there's lots of different influences, environmental influences that impact upon your performance, I suppose, or a size performance. If you start to try and minimise those and take them away, cut them out as much as possible. So we're talking environment, climate, nutrition, disease, those type of things. If that's all consistent across the lamb progeny, then all you're left with is, well, hopefully, all you're left with is the genetic results. And so we measure those lambs for a range of traits that we'll go into. You sound like you're interested. And we look at what their results are, knowing that we've minimised other production influences. So those results will be reflective of genetic, potential genetic performance. So the progeny are key here. How do you assess them and um, manage them? Are they uh, are they all in one group or lots of little separate mobs? No, we put them all together so that they are managed under the same conditions and we are minimising those environmental influences. Um, it's quite important. Sometimes they're separated by use and weathers because obviously that's how you run your, your farm. Um, but that is the most that we separate them out. Otherwise, they're treated exactly the same, so they receive the same nutrition, they receive the same disease and parasite management, um, and therefore their results um, show the variation across that whole group. And then when we analyse the results, we get the variation between sires. So they're assessed and visually and measured without being identified by their sire. We don't know who's, who studs whose, um, and that, that assessment is done by independent and specialised people, classes, service providers, 
um, so that we know we're trying to aim, we're striving for that gold standard of results. And Emma, what type of visual and measured traits do you assess? Mm, so let's start with the measured. We measure a heap of traits across wool, carcass and worm egg count. So for wool, we measure the usual sweep that you would take when you when you send in a midside or you um, send in your wool or you get your wool test results. So fibre diameter, staple length and strength, things like that. Uh, for carcass, we measure body weight at each age stage. So you get a you get a pattern of what that size is doing across as it ages. And we also do a carcass scan of eye muscle depth and fat. So we get that full carcass picture. And then we, we try and do a worm egg count um, in each trial and conditions can make that difficult. For instance, the drought, um, where you just don't get a worm burden, but we do try for that in a trial because it's valuable information. Now the visual things, we, we do visual scoring and we do that for wool confirmation and also breach scores. So we use the visual sheep scores guide, which is available from AWI and Merino Superior Science, if you want to have a look at their websites. Um, it provides scores for wool colour and character, staple structure, pigmentation, dust weathering, all those sort of things. For confirmation, there's body, wrinkle, jaw, face, shoulder and back, legs and feet. And then breach, we look at breach cover and wrinkle, crutch cover, dag and urine, which are increasingly important to our industry. Now, there's one other thing that says death. Can I make sure I get this one in? Sorry. We do a, it's because it's quite unique to SIR evaluation. We do a class of grade, which means that every lamb runs through the race, gets visually scored for all those other things I've just mentioned, and then receives an overall classes grade. So whether they're a top, block or a cull, similar to what you probably do in your own mob. Um, and that that's based on the site's breeding objective. Um, but it, it combines all the all the traits that you would value in your flock and gives them a classes grade. So that that's pretty pretty unique and pretty interesting to see between size. And is that visual scorecard that you spoke about, is that one of the ways that you keep it consistent with your visual assessment between the different classes? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Between classes and sites and seasons, because um, things change, don't they? So you need something that gives you consistency. And it's almost like a, a, a rule book, if you like. Um, it sets the standards at certain scores and you just run by those scores. So no matter where you are, what year it is, who's, which sheep are in front of you, you don't know who their sires are. You just score them according to the visual sheep scores. Yeah, that's good. And um, how often are the traits measured? Are they a one-off or some of them measured multiple times? Mm, depends on the trial design that each that particular site has chosen. So they can choose, they can run a few different trial designs um, and it will generally be set to fit the production cycle of that host site. So there's a yearling and adult trial design as well as a post-weaning and adult trial design. Both of those have their wool measurements and visual classing of the wool completed twice. So obviously at the yearling and adult for the yearling and adult um, trial design and then post weaning and adult. So you can see that there's two wool assessments done um, and at a later stage. So it's either their first adult shearing. Um, the carcass and carcass scanning is and worm end count is done once across the trial. As I've already mentioned, body weight's done at each age stage. And then there's some 
um, visual scoring done at intermittent times, depending on what's going on with the condition. She can understand that dag and neuron, you can't just score at a set point. Um, it, it does depend on seasonal conditions. So then there are two other trial designs that some sites use, and they are the hogget and the yearling. Um, they just collect wool measurements and um, classes grade once. And obviously at a, at a younger age, at the yearling and hogget stages. So yet again, they still collect carcass scans and worm egg counts once in the trial and the breach scores at a similar point. So, so that yearling and adult really is the gold standard because you get two wool measurements and classes grade scores. Um, but the others, you know, life's about balance and the longer you carry a trial on for and the more things you measure, the more money it costs. So we have to balance that out and sites have to make those decisions depending on what they can do in that particular location. Thanks, Emma. We're going to move on to Ben and actually talk about those results in a moment. But but just before we do, I'd like you to tell us how producers could get involved with AMC. Sure. There's a number of ways. So you might enter a RAM. Uh, you might be a stud breeder and you want to enter one of your stud rams or you might breed your own rams and want to just see where they fit in industry so that that's one way you can get involved. Another way is you could become involved with your local site. You could become part of their site committee and be part of the management and the decision making at that trial site. Um, it means you are there on those big assessment days and when they're doing the classing and things like that because you'll be volunteering. Uh, it's a good way to be right in the thick of it or you might be more of of an observer, you might not be close by to a site, so you might follow along for the ride and look out for the results, attend field days where you can. Um, it's We do email out results as well, so it's a good way to stay in the loop. All of that can be found or you can contact us at merinosuperiorscience.com.au slash contact us. So choose your level of involvement and um, join the SIRE evaluation bandwagon. Yeah, there's something for everyone there, Emma. Thanks so much for joining us. We're now going to have a chat to Ben and we're going to talk about some of the AMPSI results, which will be good as they're definitely presented in many different fashions. So it'd be good to go through it and work it all out. Ben's the Executive Officer of the Australian Merino Sire Evaluation Association who manages the day-to-day -day operations at AMPSI. Ben's been with AMPSI for 15 years now, so he basically knows it all inside and out. And he's also a self-confessed sheep data and genetics fanatic. He's possibly the result of being raised on a Merino sheep farm and now running his own commercial beef and sheep property near Gunnada, which is also in New South Wales. Welcome, Ben, and thanks for joining us once again on It's Time For You. G'day, Fee, and thanks for having me yet again. Um, you actually make me sound a bit old when you're you, you say all that sort of thing, but anyway. You're definitely, I think Emma said that it's AMPSI's full of enthusiastic people and you're definitely right up there with one of the most enthusiastic people. Uh, that's, that's, that's kind of you to say, <laughs> <laughs> Emma is just not liking my compliment today. Ben, <laughs> let's get into it. The results, gee, they come in a lot of different formats. What will we see? Yeah, Fee, so SAR evaluation reports, um, it's, it's results that we collect in a whole range of formats. We report, you know, site reports, so each and every site does a report every year. We have field days where the, re where the results are published. Uh, we do regular site updates. And then we have our Merino Superior Size publication, which is the annual public publication of AMPSI that brings all of that, all of that data together into, in, in, 
into one spot. You can find all of those results, all of those reports on the website, which Emma's already mentioned, which is marinosuperiorsize.com.au. And once we're on there, Ben, how do we read and interpret the results? Yeah, so so once you're on there, there's 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 sections for each of the sites and there's sections for Merino Superior Size. So really, you go to the site that you're interested in, and and, and the beauty of Merino Superior Size or SIR evaluation is that all of those sites are in all of those different environments. So if you're interested in how a sheep performs in a particular environment, yet you, you head along to that site. And at that site, you'll find the report that relates to um, to the progeny that have been assessed for that year within that site. Now in site reports, you get lots of different types of information as well. So, so sorry not to confuse you too much, but once you open your site report, you, you'll actually get three different three different types of data, which are really important for you to understand. And, and those types are raw data, which is basically just as we measure um, data. So if we record a fleece weight of seven kilos, that, that's what we report. We, we don't do any adjustments to that data. Uh, you don't see a, a, a huge amount of raw data published in SIR evaluation reports because we like to, um, we like to improve the accuracy of those results that, that we're providing out. And, and to do that, we, we use what's called an adjusted SIA mean, which is, a, which is a type of result that you'll see in, in the site reports. And, and those adjusted SIA means basically just take the raw data and they adjust it or they, or they compensate the, the SIA's results for, for the non-genetic factors that affect the production of, of, of that SIA's progeny. And, and obvious ones are whether the progeny are singles or twins, uh, whether they're a year or whether, all of those, all of those non-genetic effect factors that, that they're not being uh, inherited from the sire. I mean by that, um, they're having effect on how much, how much the sheep weighs, how much wool it cuts, what's its fibre diameter, all of those things. So we take all of those out, we adjust all of those away, which um, which then just leaves the um, the genetic effect of the ram. So you'll see lots of adjusted sire means in those in those reports, and you'll also see flock breeding values. So so flock breeding values take the uh, adjusted sire means, and we overlay heritabilities of traits and the correlation between different traits. So we know some traits are more heritable than others. For example, fibre diameter is a is a much more heritable trait than worm egg count, so it's got more chance of being passed from the sire to the progeny. And we also know that there's lots of correlations between traits. We know that uh, some traits affect the others. So we use all of that knowledge that we've got of, of genetics that we've built up across millions and millions and millions of animals that have been measured. And, and we overlay that across the adjusted sire means to give a, a really accurate uh, breeding value, which is the gold standard of the results that we publish. Ben, these flock breeding values you're talking about, last week we were joined by Luke Stevens on the podcast and we spoke about Australian sheep breeding values or ASBVs. What's the difference? Yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, they, they, they come out of the same system, so they all use the same assumptions and same genetic parameters. The big difference is a flock breeding value only uses data that we collect at each of those sites. So it's what we call uh, a within flock breeding value, if you like. So we don't use data from outside. We don't use data from other flocks. We don't use data from on, on, on commercial ram breeding operations. It's just within that SIRE evaluation site. 
So that's really important to give uh, users of the information a very accurate picture on how that RAM's genetics perform within that environment. And by environment, I mean not only the location of the site, but the season that the progeny lived through. So was it a drought, was it wet, was it, was it in the middle? All of those things contribute to the environment. Um, whereas an Australian sheep breeding value or an ASBV, as Luke talked about last week, uh, they're a cross flock. So they use data from all the sire evaluation flocks, from all of the ram breeding flocks, from all the other research flocks, and they put it all into Merino Select and, um, and, and we generate that, that across flock breeding value or Australian sheep breeding value. Thanks, Ben. When we look up the data, so we have the three types of data that you mentioned on these site reports, there's going to be a whole heap of stuff there, no doubt. So what, are, what will we find? What's the important bits for us to look at? Yeah, you're right, Fee. There's lots and lots of data, and that's one of the real trademarks of SIR evaluation, as, as Emma's already gone through. You know, we, we record everything. You know, if you can think of a trait that you can measure or assess on a merino, we're, we're most likely doing it, and, and if we're not, we will be soon. So when you open up a report, you'll see trait after trait after trait. And we don't expect all breeders to be interested in all those traits because different breeders have got different breeding objectives and those breeding objectives involve different traits. So, so we try and split the reports up into, into measured wool traits, measured carcass traits, uh, um, visually assessed wool and conformation traits. Um, and we, so, so people can, can go and look for what part of the report or what part of the results that they're interested in. Uh, we keep the same format though through all those results. So if you're interested in the in the wool quality scores, you'll find them in the same format as, as all the others. So you, you'll basically see a, a, a list of the RAMs um, on each page, followed by their individual results for those traits. And, and one of the really important things we do in SIR evaluation reports is we highlight what we call trait leaders. And you'll see all these blue squares all over the reports. And, and basically they're the top three rams in those site reports for each of those traits. So they're the top three fleece weight rams being the highest fleece weight rams, or they might be the, the, the top three fibre diameter rams. In that case, they'd be the lowest fibre diameter rams and, and so on. So you'll see lots of those. So they're a really easy way just to look at a table and go, well, which rams am I interested in here? I'm interested in high fleece weight rams and, and, and you'll see those there in the blue squares. Ben, last week we also spoke with Luke on the podcast about accuracies, um, which was really very interesting. Is there a difference between the accuracies of the data that's presented? There is, and accuracies um, really come down to the heritability of a trait, so that the more uh, heritable a trait is, the more accurate the, the result will be. And, and really accuracies are a, 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 a measure of how much we can rely on that breeding value to take that genetics home to our own environment and it, and, and it will perform in the paddock the way it does on, on paper, if you like. So, so there will be different accuracies for different traits because traits have got different heritabilities and, and, and there'll also be different accuracies for different rams within a trait because what really drives accuracy is how many progeny we, how many progeny we measure for those rams. So, as Emma said, we join um, these rams to a minimum of 50 ewes through, through AI, but, but that can result in anywhere from 20 progeny to 60 progeny, for example. The more progeny we measure, 
the more accurate those breeding values will be. So you, you will see a, a difference. Uh, importantly though, um, AMSI doesn't publish any result that doesn't meet an accuracy threshold. So we've got some accuracy um, cutoff points there set by our, our technical advisors um, that tell us that, that below, the, if we don't meet those thresholds, we just don't publish the data because the, the results just aren't, um, aren't, aren't good enough for, for, for people to confidently use. So, so any result you see in SAR evaluation, uh, whilst they'll have different accuracy, um, are certainly all, all can be used with confidence at home. One of the other terms, Ben, that's thrown around when we talk about genetics is indexes. And we spoke about this on last week's podcast as well a bit. Do um, you report, uh, does, do the reports on the website also include the different indexes? They sure do. They, um, they report four indexes here at SAR Evaluation. Three of those are the same as the Merino Select standard indexes, which are dual purpose plus, merino production plus, and fibre production plus. Uh, we also have a, an AMSI specific index, which is called the wool production plus index, which uh, AMSI developed uh, in conjunction with AGBU a couple of years ago, just to give a little bit more emphasis um, on, on wool cut for those growers that were sort of looking to drive wool production. But those four indexes are certainly um, all included in the site reports and uh, they're constructed the same way as they are with sheep genetics but again they only involve the data or they only use the data that we collected that's our evaluation site. Right the the entry rams that are you entrance rams that are used are all the rams used to the same extent within the trials? At each Individual trial, yes, they are. They're all joined to 50 ewes and they, they get however many progeny that come from that. But, but we have a series of link size that are really important that are used across multiple sites. So those link size are what allow us to, um, to, to generate those Australian sheep breeding values that we've spoken about. Um, they allow us to do an across uh, site and across drop uh, uh, results. So we use at least two link size at every site that are joined at that site and one other site at least, but, but commonly link sites are joined across three or four different sites. So, so they end up being heavily used in, in SIRE evaluation. And are they easily identified in the data sets? We do, we identify them in the site reports. Um, there's a table in each of the site reports that has all of the, the, uh, the, the details about each ram, if you like. It has who owns it, where are they from, um, some pedigree information on that ram, as well as whether they're a link sire or not. And these link sires, they've obviously been joined a lot more. They must have a whole heap more progeny. What, what sort of numbers are we looking at here? Yeah, so some of those link sires, um, you know, we've used six, seven, eight times in, 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 in SIRE evaluation alone. So, you know, they could have three or 400 progeny in SIRE evaluation, but, but, but generally speaking, those, those rams that we use in, um, as link sires are, are rams that have been used throughout the industry quite widely. And um, we've just published a, a list of top 25 SIRE evaluation rams by the number of progeny that they've got. And, and, and most of these rams are, are, are the link sires that we use. And, and it's interesting, it's a fascinating report because it shows how dominant some rams are in the industry. The, the top ram on that list at the moment is a, a ram called Hazeldean Hugh, which is 
Um, a really widely used ram. He's been used in 26 Merino Select flocks, um, you know, including the SAR evaluation flocks that wet where he's a, a very important link sire to us. And, and in total, he's, he's, he's almost produced five and a half thousand progeny in Merino Select. And, um, and that's just in Merino Select. I'm sure there's thousands more outside of Merino Select. So you're right, some of these rams, that, that rams that we use as link sires, they get enormous numbers of progeny, which which drives the accuracy of their breeding value um, right up. You know, some of these accuracies are, are almost 100% or what we call a, a, a true breeding value. So, so they're really important rams, not only in the industry because of the genetic gain they're, um, they're creating in the industry, but but also be, they, they allow the system to operate. You, know, you, you, you need this linkage between all the flocks and sites in, in order to produce really robust ASBVs. Ben, it's really such a wonderful project that's been going on, and as we said, since 1989. So an extraordinary length of time that it's been innovating and staying of interest to industry. What does the future look like for SIRE evaluation? Are there new things on the horizon? Yeah, there, there certainly are. And I guess one of the reasons why SAR evaluation has been around since 1989 is because it's continually evolved and adapted to the industry. And, and it's important to remember that ram breeders since day one of SAR evaluation have paid to enter their ram. So for all intents and purposes, it, 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 it is a commercial service. And, and like any commercial service, if you don't deliver what the customer wants, you, you're, you're not here next year. So so SAR evaluations always try to make sure that we, we, we are doing that to, to keep the entrance flowing in. And, and I guess a couple of examples of things that we're, um, we're looking at as we go forward um, um, are, say, reproduction. So to date, usually the SAR evaluation site sort of conclude before the U uh, progeny enter that reproduction phase. And, and we're, we're now seeing sites sort of two or three sites already that have sort of moved beyond that and, and are now measuring reproduction records on those ewe progeny. So we, we take the, the ewes and weathers through the standard trial and, and then the ewes obviously stay on and uh, get joined and lamb out and we collect reproduction records on them. Now at the same time, we'll be looking at more carcass and eating quality traits on the, on, on the weather portion of the progeny as, as those traits become more and more important to the industry. It was, it was probably 10 or 12 years ago we started measuring uh, carcass scanning data, so eye muscle depth and fat, um, and we were one of the first research projects or, or, or trial projects to do that. And, and this is the next extension of that, of, of measuring actual um, in, in uh, processor carcass traits um, and eating quality traits. So we'll certainly be, be doing those two things. And at the same time, we'll look at expanding our range of um, adult measurements that we record. Currently we record uh, adult fleece weights and those sort of things, um, but we'll be looking at, at taking that further on and measuring, you know, three-year-old adult fleece traits and four-year-old and five-year-old and and, uh, and and getting more uh, more data that reflects the lifetime performance of those animals, which which is really important. And that's what we've seen from the the Merino Lifetime Productivity Project over the last five or six years. How important those adult traits are, and, and we'll continue to. To, to strive to measure more of those. And, and we put all of those traits together and we add a, a, a genotype on top of, um, on top of these 
as well. So we're doing 50K genotypes and uh, on all of these progeny as well. And what we end up with is a Merino reference population. And, and we don't have time to talk about genomic reference populations today, but, but going forward, a Merino, a Merino genomic reference population is going to be a really important part of the industry to keep genetic gain really at the cutting edge. And, and I really see that the SIR evaluations going to be a, a really important part of that, um, that, that reference population as we move into the, the next five or 10 or 20 years. Thanks, Ben and Emma. It's exciting times ahead. And you just mentioned the Merino Lifetime Productivity Project, and they're going to join us next week on the podcast. So that'll be a nice follow on from today. So thank you both for joining us on It's Time For You. Thanks for having us, Greg. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of It's Time For You, the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. We'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the AWI podcast, The Yarn. We'd love you to stay in contact with Sheep Connect New South Wales, and you can do this in a number of ways. Join our network by visiting www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com.au. Find us at Sheep Connect New South Wales on Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events later in the year. Thanks again for joining us today. Bye for now.